John, more sports media news this week. Andrew, it's not just sports media news. It's directionally right sports media news. Well, Tom, number one, if you're worried about being the lowest paid guy, why don't you just quit, retire again, and go to TV? I hear you some, got some change coming your way. All <laughs> <laughs> in due time. And we're back. A Marshan and Oran sports media podcast presented by USA Track and Field. He's John Oran, the media reporter for the Sports Business Journal. I'm Andrew Marshan, sports media columnist for the New York Post. John, a lot of sports media news this week, huh? All in due time. Tom Brady says he'll talk about his contract all in due time. Well, on this pod, all in due time is topic one. We're going to hit that again, Andrew. All right. We'll get to that in a minute. But first, who's up and who's down? Who's up? Who's down? Andrew, why don't you lead us off? Dan Orlovsky gets my who's up. The reason he's been added to ESPN's number two Monday night football team with Steve Levy and Lewis Riddick. Uh, The first team, of course, is Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. Uh, And look, you look at the guys who are getting these jobs. uh, Usually it's people who've had great quarterbacking careers uh, in the NFL. Dan Orlovsky did not have that. Uh, He was a standout at UConn, and then he spent 11 or 12 years in the NFL, mostly as a backup and most known for running out of the back of the end zone. Let me just say, I have so much respect, though, uh, for anybody who plays in the NFL. I think people are like, oh, that guy's not good. Yeah, you go try to play 11 years in the NFL. Just accomplishing that is an amazing accomplishment. But now he gets to he's worked his way up where he's in this small group where uh, he's in a big booth. Now, they'll only do three games this year, then five next year, but he has a chance to establish himself uh, to be a regular uh, NFL analyst. You know, maybe one day he's in that lead Monday night booth. Maybe one day he's, you know, on Sundays in a booth uh, in a one or two, uh, but he's in that conversation now. And you think about it, he came out, um, was it four or five years ago? Uh, kind of an unknown. I mean, I knew the name because of his UConn days and, you know, and then of course back up in the NFL, but that one play where he ran out of the back of the end zone, but now he's established himself. uh, And so good for him. Hard work paid off in the case of Dan Olofsky. My who's up? Leslie Visser. Talk about a trailblazing uh, journalist. She was awarded the Lifetime Achievement Award by the Sports Emmys. And I know everybody likes to take their shots at the Sports Emmys, but I happen to be and have always been a big fan of the program because, you know, it's one thing about sort of honoring the on-air talent that gets all the headlines, but I've been to so many of those events and you just get to see these behind the scenes producers, directors, people that get no notoriety, really get honored for their work. Uh, Sports Business Journal, we just put on our Sports Business Awards last week and we saw the same thing. ESPN swept the media categories, best media company and and, and best in uh, ESPN plus got best in digital. But you saw some of the sort of smaller categories and the people that won, it it just sort of really validated them. And it's really nice to see. A hundred percent. It means a lot to people. I will say sometimes when I've been uh, who wins, I sometimes disagree. Sometimes you (laughs) scratch your head. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, wait, that one over there? Okay. (laughs) But it does mean a lot to people and, you know, having an Emmy uh, on your mantle at home uh, is a cool thing, especially when you have friends over and, and, and neighbors and, and, and whatnot. All right, on the way down, I'm going to go first here. Uh, Magic Johnson and ESPN. Now, I don't know if there's something else going on with Magic and ESPN, 
but there was some ballyhoo when he was hired. He's been on ESPN's pregame show one time this year, and I'm not really certain if he's even going to be on during the finals. Uh, so uh, just a weird one. You know, Magic's had a few of these uh, over the years. I think he kind of left ESPN originally uh, when he first was there that first go-around, kind of in the middle of like, the playoffs. And then, you know, we saw what happened with the Lakers, and now uh, only one appearance, and it might be the only one uh, as far as I can tell. Now, there could be some other things uh, going on, but I will say uh, Magic has done a disappearing act. Uh, on ESPN. On the way down, I could have picked so many people. The NFL's head business executive, Brian Rolap, he told SBJ's Ben Fisher to tell us that he never listens to the pod. Andrew, I think he protests too much. I, I don't buy it, number one, Brian. It's not. You're my who's down. There you go. Who's down, Brian Rolap. I'm changing mine. Magic, you're out. <laughs> we have you don't listen to the pod, you're out. <laughs> you're out. You're done. You're, you're consistently down. Greg Norman, what a bad week for Greg Norman again. He was my uh, who, who's down last week. He could have been uh, who's down again. But I'm going back to the well this week, Andrew. Who's down? Chris Ripley of Sinclair. Chris Ripley. I mean, this guy, holy cow. Chris Ripley. We might have to call it the Chris Ripley who's down award. It's kind of like when Jordan or LeBron are up for the MVP. It's like, you know, they should really deserve it every year, but then somebody else gets it. So anyways, why do you have Ripley this week? Well, my second job in journalism, I started in a newspaper and I went in and I covered cable trades and I, I covered these affiliate deals hard. And I've been sort of in the middle of them for decades now. And there's a certain way that the, that the two companies ap- approach uh, the, these deals. And Chris Ripley doesn't seem to have learned anything from his problems with Dish Network and getting something done with Charter, he was at Moffat Nathanson uh, at a Moffat Nathanson conference where he talked about a Directv negotiation that we're still a year away from, and he basically put down the gauntlet uh, with Directv. He said, "Quote: I don't believe that MVPDs, which is cable operators, distributors, such as." DirecTV are going to be willing to take the risk to go without some key product, meaning that they're going to be there to, to get the RSNs. He said, we already crossed the Rubicon on direct-to-consumer because we already had the rights to negotiate it in, in advance. He's partly right on that, but this isn't how you negotiate in cable. Cable is such a relationship business, and he's an outlier that uh, is putting his thumb on the scale, and if he can hold DirecTV to it, here's one thing. I talk to people at DirecTV. They look at Dish Network. Ever since Dish Network dropped the RSNs, they've been making more money than they have in the past. The RSNs are high priced and sort of a loss leader for a lot of these distributors. So a lot of people look the other way as well. Well, we don't need to spend all that money just to keep a keep a local fans, especially when you're going to go direct to consumer. So it's going to be a really interesting uh, uh, negotiation coming forward. But that was a bomb. I mean, he already threw a bomb in there more than a year away. Incredible. I've never seen anything like that. So Ripley either has more who's down on the Oran scorecard coming up or a dramatic turn where he gets who's up if he gets these deals with DirecTV done. I'm not going to say they won't get a deal done, but that it the numbers that they might like the numbers that they want. Yeah, I don't want to say it's unlikely because these deals always get done, but there could be a lot of rancor and there could be a lot of bloodletting in between now and the time the deal gets done. All right, Andrew, let's get right to the topics. Let's lead off with a topic that we talked about a lot last week, Tom Brady's 10-year, 
$375 million contract. Several weeks ago, Fox put out a statement. We parsed that entire statement last pod, basically saying that the number wasn't accurate. But Sarah Fisher of Axios sat down with Lachlan Murdoch, and Lachlan Murdoch said that, that the numbers uh, that you came up with were directionally right. And what that tells me is that Andrew Marshan was directionally right when he came up with the with the number. So congratulations for that. Right. Thank you. I'm, I'm directionally right. That's going to be a thing now where uh, if I have a story, you are going to be like, yep, I confirmed it. It's directionally right. Um, <laughs> look, I knew my sources uh, are on that story. So um, as I said last week, standing by, very confident in it. Um, it's a complicated deal when you talk about a 10-year, $375 million deal, a lot of different aspects of it. It was nice that Lachlan Murdoch said that, um, but uh, I did know it, it was correct. And uh, it is interesting, though, and it shows you kind of what we talked about, though. When you look bigger picture, why Tom Brady did this, the numbers just getting higher and higher. Um, and, you know, when you think about this opportunity um, to, to call games, I don't know if that's necessarily something Brady wanted to do. But when the numbers get to that level, um, and then there's a lot of other things. And, and here's the thing about the number, too, when you talk about it. When you're looking at ESPN, Peyton Manning, I believe, that they feel like is their most important person, their relationship with. You know, Stephen A is important, Van Pelt's important. There's a lot of important people there in terms of on-air people. But but the Peyton Manning relationship. So you kind of look at where media is going with streaming and with um, with linear and so you want to pay it Manning. If you're Fox, it might end up being a great deal for them to be in business with Tom Brady, who's considered the greatest football player of all time. And he might even be good at this job. I think the numbers, yes, they're crazy. They're outrageous, but they might make sense in the end that just you, you want to be in business with Tom Brady. You want that. And you can tell the NFL, you can go to the NFL and say, we have Tom Brady and nobody else does. Uh, and as long as Brady actually does it, um, it it's going to be most likely a win. When Tom Brady does that first game for Fox, that is going to be must watch television, regardless of who playing. You can say announcers don't matter. That day will matter. I have got to dive down. You just sort of set it as a throwaway. ESPN's most important talent relationship is with somebody who does an, a couple of ESPN plus series and does a simulcast or, or an alternate telecast for what? 12, 14 Monday night football games, it's 10 games last year. And it's not Stephen A. And it's not Scott Van Pelt. I, I, I talk me through. Well, that. I, I'd say, that. look, you, you could argue about this, right? But I think when you look at it, what's the most important property that ESPN owns? The NFL. Yep. And Monday Night Football. What did the Mannings do last year? They really restored some luster to that broadcast that wasn't there. So just in terms of public relations thing, something that they were getting hit in the face with time after time, uh, the Mannings came in uh, and they changed the narrative there. Now they've changed it even more with Buck and Aikman. Uh, and then when you look at ESPN Plus, which obviously is a central part of what they're doing as we go forward, um, from what I understand, besides games and of course MMA, the Mannings, Peyton's Places are the most successful streaming, um, the thing that people stream the most. It's the most important. And now they've made a lot of offshoots to Peyton's Places. And when you look at the programming that you're trying to make on these streamers, 
you really need that evergreen programming. Now you need games and that's what ESPN plus obviously is doing in that uh, bundle with Disney plus and, and Hulu, but you also need people to be, I want to watch some sports stuff. And so I'm just go to ESPN plus, maybe there's a 30 for 30, maybe there's a Peyton's place and you want to build that inventory and people like, and the people like those Peyton's places, they're well done. Uh, and now they're doing them with David Ortiz and others. Um, and so uh, yeah, I think that that Manning relationship and also just getting Manning. I mean, Stephen A is great, but like getting Stephen A is different than getting Peyton Manning, right? You had a, it took years for them to get Peyton Manning. Yeah. You know, it's funny because before this pod, if you would ask me to do my five most influential on air people at ESPN, I'm not sure if Peyton would have been in that or, or in the, I just wouldn't have thought of that, but you, you make, you make a good point. It's the relationship with Peyton too. He's you, we, we both were at the upfronts uh, last week um, and Peyton and Eli were on it. They were the most important people on the, the upfronts, especially Peyton. Uh, he was the central figure. I mean, Buck and Aikman had a big role and, you know, went on way too long. Disney make it a little bit shorter next time. Um, <laughs> and uh, Fox way better food at their upfront. I didn't go all of them, but they way better food. Great sushi at Fox's. But the Mannings were really central and that's important uh, to, to those, those festivities and to have those guys. And now Fox will have Tom. Listen, I mean, Tom Brady being at that Fox, think about it. Tom Brady, he did a video hit, but when he's there one day, that's a big deal. I mean, Tom Brady is as big as it gets. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to talk about central upfronts. Let's all do it in Midtown. It's so much easier. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't need to take a cab to, uh, to, to one of these. Events. We have a cab story. We're not going to share. I don't think right now, but we had a scary Cab story, John and I. Uh, maybe maybe next week we'll hold that one off. But it was bad. Anyways, Let's just say we're lucky to be alive. I think, right? uh, for for real, like a real real thing. <laughs> now we kind of we teased them. Do we have to? Well, let me give. Can I give? I'll give the short version. All right, go short I mean, version. We can't like tease people. We're like, what the heck? We're on the FDR after we did the pod last week. Going to the Disney event, John and I in the back of the cab. Guy, our cabbie cuts off this other guy. Just a normal cut off in the in New York. And the guy jumps out of his car, knocks on the door opens the door and says, I'm going to beat you up. He used some swear words. I'm going to beat you up. He's inside our cab now. Our cabbie, fortunately, did not move. Then he gets out. He slams the door. He gets back in his car and he's staring over and he's still, still things are tense here. Uh, and fortunately, our cabbie uh, kept his cool. We were kind of telling him to look straight ahead. Don't look at the guy because it could have been bad. So we, there would there would not have been a Marshan and Orand sports media. But I, honestly, I did. That did cross my mind. Not that the, not the, no, no offense, John, not that the, the podcast would be over, that I'd be over. <laughs> no, I, I tell you what, Marshand was great because he, you were coaching the, the, the driver because the driver felt, you know, uh, uh, he, uh, he was disrespected, right? And so he started to, st once the other guy was back in his car, he started to stare at him and you were like, stare straight ahead. Don't look at him. Don't escalate the situation. Yeah. But, um, he did a good uh, job. So, anyways, we made anyway. it. We're here, here now. But we digress. I want to get back to Sarah Fisher's story. I'm a big right, Sarah fan of Sarah. She uh, writes for Axios. She talked about the Fox plan. This is what we were talking about uh, last week when we were going through how Tom Brady's contract could get up to $37 million. And uh, she was talking about uh, in her interview with Lachlan uh, Murdoch about how they're trying to launch these lifestyle verticals. Lachlan Murdoch never once mentioned sports, but, you know, he, he was mentioning stuff off of sort of Fox Nation. He was mentioning stuff off of like the Fox weather. Uh, but you think about Tom Brady, you think about TB12, that's all about lifestyle. That's all about lifestyle verticals. I mean, there's so many different tentacles that can come in to help push that, that salary up uh, to where 
it's directionally right at around, you know, $37.5 million a year. Yeah. And Lachlan Merck also talked about Tubi, which I think they said, if I remember correctly, it was going to be a $700 million a year business. Uh, we talked about, you know, is there a possibility of, you know, either Brady making shows for Tubi or uh, kind of doing a, uh, you know, ads, you know, spokesman, 2B12. I mean, I think there's a lot of things you could do there. He did talk about the USFL, Lachlan Murdoch, which I thought was interesting. Um, and you see where Fox is doing. I like their plan. Like, I, I've been kind of bullish on Fox, not, you know, either you're all in like ESPN Plus, which I like, and Disney Plus, or you're not, you're kind of, kind of taking a wait and see approach. And even with the USFL, I like their plan because, it sounds like they're going to go slow. I mean, people keep saying to me, nobody's at these games. Yeah, it's just basically a TV studio they created in Birmingham for these games. And they're going to have these games, try to create a league. And then from there, they said they're going to sell these franchises to local places. And they'll do that. And so then someone in you know New York, New Jersey will get the generals, et cetera. And you can see how it would grow. Um, and so that to me uh, seems like a good business plan, especially because the numbers are pretty good and they're consistently not bad when you consider they own the league and NBC, uh, you know, has their games on as well. So uh, I do like what they're trying to do with the USFL with Fox. Right. Lachlan Murdoch said that they were going to uh, sell those franchises for the next five to seven years. So if the league lasts that long, what a, what a huge success. Broadcast games are getting over a million viewers. And when we talk about, you know, the F1, uh, Formula One doing great guns, it's getting about the same audience as Formula One. People tune in, they see empty stadiums and they, and they think that everything is struggling with that. It's not struggling. They created a TV show and they're getting, you know, not NFL numbers, not NBA playoff numbers, but they're getting pretty good numbers for, uh, for Saturday afternoon, Saturday night uh, football that nobody else is attending to. Our next topic, Greg Olson, Fox. You had some news last week. Take us through it, Andrew. Yeah, so Greg Olson's going to be Kevin Burkhart's partner here in the interim until Tom Brady uh, is available and retires and is in the booth. To me, it's such a great opportunity for Olson uh, because number one, let's see when Brady actually retires. Right, guy might play forever. Um, I think Brady probably does it, but there is some scuttlebutt. Maybe Brady never even does it, even though the money is so great. Uh, so that would create an opening for for Olsen. The next thing is uh, Chris Collinsworth going to be go through the next Super Bowl with NBC. They were thinking Drew Brees as a replacement. Can Olsen be do well enough where he's you know beloved, where he's in you know, he could maybe get a huge deal uh, with NBC? To me, I talked about Orlovsky. You want to get in especially if you're not a star quarterback in this little um, group of people who can do these games and uh, can do it for a long time. Look at Chris Collinsworth's career. We joke about him making $12.5 million, right? That's crazy money. Uh, he's been doing it for a long time and it's a great job and you're in the NFL. So to me, if I'm Olsen, uh, I think he, he's getting a he's getting a raise, but that the money is not as important to me. It's about the opportunity and what he can build. He's got a podcast company with Vince Vaughn. And to me, this is just like, put your head down, go kick some butt and make it. So it's like, wait, they're going to replace this guy. And it's going to work out for him if he has the right attitude, um, which I think he probably will. And then the number two spot, Drew Brees is in play. I think it is possible. He could be the number two, but he's going to have to really want it. Fox is not going to break the bank for him. So if Breeze wants to be, uh, if he wants to do this as a living though, to me, this might be his best last chance because if a number one spot opens, Drew Breeze is not getting it. 
Like he just missed that cycle. And even though it's not unfair, I didn't think he was as bad as people make him out to be. It's going to be cemented like him. He and Jason Witten were failures at this. And it's going to be hard for someone to hire him at a high level. Fox, I think, is willing to hire him at the number two spot. That's two playoff games this upcoming year. That's a big spot. And there's not that there's not that really that many openings. And I'll have a chance if he wants to do this. He's not going to make the big money. I mean, again, two or three million dollars, probably, uh, you know, not the eight to ten that he's getting from NBC. But still, you have the opportunity to do it. If it's not uh, Drew Brees, then I think Mark Sanchez internally is probably the guy. Uh, and Joe Davis is leading candidate to be the play-by-play. Adam Amin, outside chance, but Joe Davis is what I'm hearing in terms of the uh, play-by-player at the number two spot. It was only one game. Like, I, I think you, you got to look I, at Yeah, some... yeah, exactly. But you don't really judge people off of one game. Like, I wasn't as high on Drew Brees coming out. I'm not as low on him now. It sounds like he almost certainly is not going back to NBC. I mean, I would put that at, at very... I reported that. I reported that. We got another... You got a tweet from him, a lot of commas. Uh, and he said he could play, could do pickleball. I'm going to stay and stand by it. But, you know, obviously Drew Brees, if I guess there's a chance. I, you know, I don't write that unless I know. Um, and so, I, you know, it is Drew Brees' life. I'd be absolutely floored if he was in studio. I, I don't think he'll do Notre Dame, but I guess that's like not. He wants to do games. He wants to do NFL games, though. So I just don't see that work. And like we said, uh, no Tariko inexperienced play-by-player more like, or maybe not as, not a Tariko level play-by-player. You know, I don't know if Freeze does it. I don't know. Personally, I wouldn't advise him to do that. If that's where, if he wants to do games, like if he's just doing it so he gets another opportunity, doing Notre Dame with an inexperienced person or not the highest level guy um, or gal uh, would, uh, I think, be a mistake. All right, let's go to the next topic. Warner Brothers Discovery. Uh, they had... Uh, their first upfront last week, David Zaslov was at that up upfront. And um, the funny thing about that, and I, I've done this a lot too. I talk about, you know, Zaslov loves sports. He runs, you know, Discovery International and built up Eurosport around the Olympics, around uh, auto racing over there. And the idea is when when he gets a hold of Turner, he's really going to supercharge Turner and 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 be in every rights negotiation. And I always look back and. Turner has the NBA through the conference finals. They have MLB through a championship series. They have the final four every other year and, and, and the rest of the NCAA tournament. Uh, they have regular season baseball. Turner has a lot of big time sports. You could make an argument that they have um, a nicer sports portfolio than some of the broadcast networks. A hundred percent. Here, I'm gonna pull a John Oran here. Uh-oh. Why I love the pod. So we've had so many topics you know, that have been like breaking news stuff. So we kind of haven't gotten into topics and we have made a thing about Amazon and Apple. That's kind of become our, one of our things. I think Warner brothers discovery and what's going to happen with them is really going to become a huge topic as we go through this. And I just, I think I just want to point that out because I read like Ben Thompson, who does a newsletter kind of was sort of the godfather of these paid newsletters. He does digital world is really intelligent um, writing that he has. Uh, He did a big thing about how he believes uh, in Warner Brothers Discovery. And it does make sense when you look at all the synergies and how this all comes together and where sports uh, can be a driver in it. And you look at like the NBA, again, never say never, but I don't know. I'd be shocked if they lose the NBA in a couple of years, right? They're going to pay through the nose because we talked about Apple could get in on that. Uh, Amazon, of course, ESPN. I wouldn't be shocked if Fox tries to get in there. So, I mean, it's not a guarantee, but the number will be big. But you just see how what they're doing 
and how sports uh, with linear, with streaming is going to be a huge, huge thing for them because they don't have like the daily programming of sports uh, like ESPN, but they've always been like a mini ESPN, right? They've always, they, they've had these humongous sports forever. I don't think they've been a mini ESPN so much as they've been like a, a mini broadcast network. They have their entertainment programming and they supplement the entertainment programming yeah. with, with, uh, with sports. I just meant like their portfolio of events, especially big time events. You know, um, they have the match for golf, which isn't, you know, as big, but it's every once in a while. And they've, they've made that into a big deal. But then you look at the NCAA tournament, uh, they get the, you know, they get a, they get the championship some years. Um, you look at baseball and the playoffs, they get LCS uh, and then um, hockey. Now they're going to have Stanley cups. Uh, it's just, it's a pretty amazing portfolio. And I, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago on the pod when, you, you know, if you're an NBA NHL fan, you just, there's two channels you have right now. That's it. Mm-hmm. You know, every night it's what's on ESPN, what's on Turner. That's it. You know, like which game's on tonight? Okay. Um, and you're there for like two months. I mean, there's only 12 months in the year. And these, you know, these two networks are going to own those two months on the on the weekdays, basically, and the weekend. So it, it's pretty significant. Andrew, the NBA uh, rights deal, that's not up for another uh, three years. Uh, right now in 2022, I can't conceive ESPN or, or Turner lose, losing it. I think I think it's that important to to uh, to both companies. Uh, one thing that um, made me uh, raise an eyebrow or, or, or consider that something bad might happen for Turner is Zucker leaving. Zucker's a, a big relationship guy. Uh, th- this all goes back to my who's down in Ripley, like from Levy to Zucker. They're big on relationships, and they they worked on that relationship. Um, and Zaslov, that's what he's known for. He's a disciple of Dick Ebersol. Like that, that's that's what they do as they get out there like, and 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 try to promote that. So I I know that they're going to be working with the NBA and they're going to make the NBA feel comfortable about renewing with them, even though there are these like shiny bells and whistles of the Amazons and the Apples out there. That, you know they can you know that they can do something. It's like okay, I trust you. I've entrusted you for decades now and, and like, let's, let's move forward in, in this together. Yeah. And like UFC, right. Like that's something that I could see them going after. I mean, ESPN again, at the least it will force ESPN to pay even more uh, to keep them part of ESPN plus, because you know, the, the, those are big drivers. It's, it's, I think UFC has been proven as a su- success uh, for ESPN plus. And so if you're HBO max discovery, whatever they're going to eventually call it, and you could bring UFC over, um, you know, that makes some sense, especially with that, you know, you have to be a subscriber and then the pay-per-view model. That seems like a pretty good model uh, for, for both ESPN and UFC. So um, a lot to, I think they're going to be important in terms of, you know, what they do. Yeah. And if you look at their upfront, you know, sports was a major part of their upfront and the, the number of sports rights deals that they have, they brought Shaq and Barkley were out there on stage. It was, you know, it's obvious that sports is going to continue to be a big part, if not a bigger part of uh, Warner Brothers Discovery going forward. Let's move to topic number five, live golf. Live golf. Oh. Live golf, John, you've been biting at the, what is it? what's the chopping at the bit? That's the word. Chopping at the bit to talk about live golf. So I'm going to just put the, kind of just roll the ball out for you, put on the tee. Uh, I'm just like mixing every metaphor I can. <laughs> you know, it's like, I got like 15 metaphors. You're I wish I could tee it up for me, Andrew. You're teeing it up for me. That's, a, that's, a, I think that, that's how we say it on the, on the there course. There you go, tee it up. There you go. Take it. Hey, let, me, let, me, let me turn off this mic already. Go. <laughs> All right. How much time do I have? Start the clock. Go ahead. Take it. Take it. Take it. Take it the rest of the bot i'm done 
Look, we are three weeks ahead or a couple of weeks ahead of their first tournament. Uh, we don't know who's going to be playing in the tournament. And now we know that the top business executive at Live Golf, Sean Bratches, who uh, cut his teeth at ESPN for three decades, did a great job for Formula One for four, for four years, has decided to, to step down. Uh, and so they're going forward now with no TV deals, few sponsorship deals, and no executive that's actually running uh, running that business. And so they have to scramble to find somebody to, to take over that business. Bratches left just a, a couple of days after uh, Greg Norman made some uh, really inappropriate comments uh, re regarding the murder of uh, Washington Post journalist Jamel Khashoggi. There are tough questions that they're gonna have to, that everybody that's associated with Live Golf is gonna have to answer. There are no easy answers for them. And you know, they, they, for, for an upstart league, there are a lot of fits and few starts. So it's not quite even fits and starts. I mean, they're just still trying to get their footing going forward. And it's, uh, it's, it was not a good week. It's not, it hasn't been a good two, three weeks for, for Live Golf. And you broke the Bratches story that he was leaving. And I read it, but I'm just trying to remember, was the reason just because of just all the heat now with this? Or what was the, why did he finally decide, you know what, this is enough for me? I don't ha actually have a reason, but I can talk about the timing sort of coming off. And, and uh, Bratches has given a lot of interviews where he, you know he he doesn't want to he didn't want to get into the uh, geopolitical. He wanted to you know focus on creating an upstart league that would rival the PGA Tour. And and the more people like Greg Norman would say some things, and uh, Phil Mickelson, you know, a, a, a couple of weeks before that would say something. It sort of it brought uh, the the whole geopolitical. Um, uh, problems right right to, right to the doorstep almost who's going to run that do we know or we don't know yet no okay maybe you no. I, mean, I, <laughs> no. I think it's hard like it's kind of hard for anybody to accept that job you're sort of saying okay well yeah those things are bad but i'm willing to do this so i think it's a very difficult position for people and obviously the money that they've been offering people from what i understand is um you know very it's very enormous. enticing yeah. yeah. And, and at what point, can, how much can you compartmentalize? Like, well, I'm going to ignore some of the human rights abuses that are, you know, well acknowledged in, in order to get, you know, what could be life altering and life changing money. It's a, uh, yeah. it, 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 it's a, it's a tough choice for a lot of people. All right. Well, let's move to topic six, the PGA tour with PGA championships were this past weekend. Uh, and, um, you know, PGA does not want live golf to really succeed. Of course, they've done everything they can not to uh, let it succeed. Uh, just what were your impressions of the PGA championship? Andrew, you know, my impressions are the problems that I think live golf are, are, is going to find. Golf is a star driven sport. And when you don't have stars that are competing, you know, it, it hurts television viewership. Last year, Phil Mickelson won. It was a great story. He beat uh, Brooks Kepka, another sort of well-known, uh, well-known golfer. This year, Justin Thomas won. He, he beat, beat Wills Altoris in a three-hole playoff. Ratings were down. Viewership was down twenty percent uh, from last year. It was up from twenty nineteen. But the the whole idea was it was an incredible uh, ending to to the, to the match. Uh, you had Mito Pereira having an epic meltdown on the final hole of the PGA uh, tournament. You had a three-hole playoff that was, uh, you know, that where, where you saw great shot making uh, happen, and viewership just didn't uh, didn't come through. So it it just shows that that really big personalities and well-known players are what are what work. You know, Colin Cowherd often says this. You know, people during the NCAA tournament love Cinderella stories, 
right? But at the end of the day, they want North Carolina Duke, right? They want the big, as you like to call them, the blue bloods. Uh, the blue bloods. The blue bloods. What's a blue blood? We learned what a blue blood is. Duke, Duke Carolina. Like, <laughs> Duke, Carolina, Kentucky. That's what they want. So you're right. You want the stars. And, you know, like my colleague, Phil Mushnick, who's a legend, uh, always you know, kind of focuses on the fact that Tiger's shown every five seconds on these you know, during these tournaments, it's because we want to watch Tiger. I like, want to watch I, Tiger. Yeah. Exactly. I'm not a golf guy. So like I, you know, I watch, you know, for these big events and, and, and what have you, but it's not something like if I didn't have this job, would I necessarily turn on golf? Probably not, but I want to see Tiger, right? Like that's who I want to see, especially if he's doing reasonably well. I, I get Phil's point when it's like, he's totally out of it. Um, and it's always funny how the leaderboard all of a sudden isn't in alphabetical order when Tiger's involved. Uh, <laughs> there's like 50 people died for 40th and tiger happens to be the first one listed okay uh, also i i thought uh, cbs uh, they, they always do a good job at golf i think but i i really wanted to highlight uh, uh amanda renner who had the post-match interview with mito Pereira right after he, he just really bought he got a double bogey on the 18th hole renner started the interview with this question Mito, first of all, thank you for taking the time to talk to us. I know it's not easy, but how do you process what just happened, especially on eight, on 18? Perez's answer to that question wasn't great. He talked about the week as a whole. He talked about trying to learn. He sort of came out with, a, with a, a lot of bromides. But Andrew, you and I, we always talk about the power of a follow-up question. And that's when Renner asked this. We talked yesterday about everything that you can learn from this 18T. Talk me through it. Did it feel like you were moving faster than you wanted to, or what were you feeling in that moment? Uh, I, re um, I mean, I wasn't that. I mean, I, I was okay. Yeah. I guess it's, you have so much pressure in your body that you maybe you don't even know what you're doing. Be prayers answer. You have so much pressure in your body that maybe you don't even know what you're doing. I, he, he, she was able to get him to open up. I just thought that that was a a really good line of questioning. It produced a really good answer. And it, uh, as, a, as a viewer, I was totally satisfied with that. Yeah, and those post-round interviews, especially like a meltdown like that, you know, he didn't have to do that, but it, it, show, it humanizes uh, someone. And when you talk about viewership, so then you talk about, um, you know, how, when you don't have stars, well, that makes it so like next year, you want to see how he does, right? And like, and I think that storyline is important. And um, it is only sport. Now, this is these, these people's livelihood. So you can understand how important it is to them. But, um, but it was that was an excellent job there all around. First off, just doing the interview. And then secondly, how it uh, transpired. And we had Joe Buck's first appearance on ESPN. Uh, what do you think? So I thought it was pretty good. It was okay. Like I, I think the idea of putting it on ESPN, what they call E1, um, instead of E2 to start off the first two hours, I feel like the Manning cast type programming is a second, like second choice experience, right? Like you want that regular choice. And I know the ratings that they pumped up the ratings that, uh, you know, it was more percentage than others, but I think that helped that it was on ESPN, the main mothership, the, to start, and then it moved to ESPN too. Um, and I think Buck is very talented in those, um, scenarios. Um, and then there's Michael Collins, who was the, you know, uh, what is he called? Known as America's caddy. Uh, I felt like if I were to say like, how, if I, they did it again, I'd want a golfer too, just to add that third person, a third voice, because, uh, Collins had a lot of good insight and Buck is very funny and he's good at, um, you know, bringing in different people. They had Nick Saban on, which was interesting with the controversy with uh, 
that he had with Jimbo Fisher. Um, and they had Saban on and a, you know, a bunch of people, a good, good guest. What separates the Mannings is the fact that they can just get so in depth. They have PhDs in football. And so uh, when they're just talking, it's just, it's very illuminating. And so I do think you need a third person. And then Buck, I think, could do that well, where it doesn't become just a talk show where you're kind of conversating. So if I, if they were to do it again, I think I'd want a third person, a golfer in there. Yeah, I mean, the, the Manning cast is, is the gold standard. I think the, the Buck cast was very dependent on, on the guest. Uh, I think when you described it as a talk show, I think that's a good description. It didn't seem as conversational as the Manning cast when, when Manning would like get his quote unquote friends in and they would just sort of talk to each other as elite athletes. It was sort of- Yeah, you know, exactly. It, it, so there's that. And they don't do as many of them, but the uh, Nickelodeon alternative cast too is in that- stratosphere with the Mannings with uh, Nate Burleson leading that show that one has kind of really hit and I, I think it's the people though too and so I thought they did a pretty good job like it wasn't bad it's hard to hit these like I think you know you need just that perfect combination CBS and Nickelodeon they got it with uh, Nate Burleson who's a obviously a uh, Spongebob guy and then uh, Noah Eagles up and coming play-by-player younger you know in his 20s so um, just kind of you know, obviously he's a grown man now, but uh, you know, not that long ago was watching Nickelodeon or, you know, I think people, I guess, watch Nickelodeon even as adults, but um, bottom line is you need that chemistry. And, and, and it was good. I just, it wasn't like, I didn't like, wow, that was amazing. You're totally right. The person the personalities make it. And, and, but what also I found out is like, it just doesn't matter. Like all of these alternative telecasts that, that, that you mentioned, you know, from the Manning cast to the Buck cast, they're all getting about 10, 11% of the overall viewership. So, you know, what it, it doesn't change all that much. But we talk about this with the podcast. I, lo- I know people in the media, like uh, friends and some PR people, it's like, oh, you guys are learning how hard it is to, you know, first people have to know about it. Then they have to watch it or in this <laughs> our case, listen to it. Then they got to do it again. It's not, it's a pretty heavy lift when you think about it. And we appreciate everyone who does this um, every week because it is hard. So, it's going to be interesting to see with the Manning cast and their ratings and, you know, there'll be more awareness next year and do their ratings go up more awareness at the Mannings, even with Buck and Aikman there, that will, that, that's going to be a little interesting, little sidelight um, to, to we'll examine during the football season, which I can't wait like, just to evaluate the broadcasters. The last topic I want to do uh, ESPN's NBA studio show. Uh, And I want to talk about this, not as a media reporter, but I'm an NBA fan. I've been loving uh, these NBA playoffs. And when the games are on TNT, I wait. I like when when halftime comes up, I really want to know what Barkley's reaction is. And I want to know what what Shaq's reaction is. I can tell you I've been surprised for the first time this year. I'm actually interested in sitting through halftime to hear Will Bond and Stephen A sort of, uh, you know, either agree with each other or go at each other on on what I just watched. I I think that they are uh, close to, or they have found something with their studio that has been decades of uh, of trying. I think that they're they're really onto something here. Okay, two things. Number one, on the inside the NBA, you know, it's interesting. You said you want to hear what they have to say. Uh, It's more to me, what are they going to do, right? True, totally true, yeah. You know, like they like Barkley. I, I tweeted about it the other day. He came in on a horse uh, when they're in <laughs> Dallas. It was the first five minutes, first five minutes. I, you know, you can look on your clock um, of, of Barkley coming in 
and it's the Western Conference Finals, and it was tremendous TV. It was so good. Um, and your point, and this is the point when they put together uh, the show, and you know now Magic, you know that doesn't seem to be involved. But the one thing I said about it at the beginning, and I think it it's held true. They, you know, all the people on this show can do TV, right? Greenberg, Stephen A, Wilbon, Jalen, they've all been successful in TV for a long time, have had other shows. So like you didn't have that. A lot of the times, you know, ESPN went without a host at some points. Uh, they had Bill Simmons in there. Um, they had, I'm trying to think who else. They, they've had some different combinations, which, you know, could have been successful maybe if they'd, you know, arranged the chairs differently. But kind of a lot of times it felt kind of thrown together where, where the groupings weren't right. When I used to cover the Mets way back when, Bobby V used to call, talk about, when he's talking about a lineup, a lot of people focus on the lineup. And Bobby V always had to do everything differently because he's Bobby V. He's great. But but he always <laughs> talked about the groupings, right? It's not, he doesn't look at a lineup. He looks at the groupings, who's around each other. But I think when you look at, if I'm putting together these shows, I'm looking at a grouping, not just an individual. And I think that's what, um, they've done well with it's the grouping it's not just oh we got one big star like like you kind of said i mean do they even need magic really i mean magic yeah he's a big name and it's kind of cool to have that but like just do i always say this we said this about herb street when amazon hired him for uh thursday night football he's a great broadcaster was he a great nfl quarterback no he never played in the nfl you're hiring a broadcaster it does it help i mean does tom brady get like at, you know we talk about the 10 scale you know i, I usually say a you know, athlete starts with a three. Brady starts with like a six. Initial tune in for Brady off the charts. Yeah, off the charts, but he starts at a six and then he has to be okay. All right. Any more on the NBA? You want to just finish call of the week? Yeah, let's go to call of the week. Call of the week. John, call of the week. We're going to Edmonton. Edmonton. We're going international. Sports media coming to Canada. <laughs> uh, Jack Michaels. Uh, on 6.30 a.m. in Edmonton on Evander Kane's hat trick. This is a great hometown call from Jack Michaels. Let's hear it. But now it's Drysaddle off to Connor McDavid with Kane. Centers Kane for the hat trick. He scores! Evander Kane! A natural hat trick in the second period. And Edmonton running Calgary right out of the building. The Oilers... We take nominations for Call of the Week. Steve Bennett, thank you very much for for alerting us to that. That was a great call. That was a great hometown call, like you said. Yeah, a lot of you may know Steve. He has a sportscaster pod. Been dealing with some medical uh, issues recently, so our best wishes to him. He's as tough as they come, as he told me. uh, Just another battle he's going to win. So uh, best wishes to him, and we do appreciate Jack Michaels. I went to college with Jack Michaels. Now he's You're an editor. Listen to this. Yeah. So we had, when I was in college, all right, Jack Michaels, Edmonton Oilers, uh, Scott Lauer, who was the uh, play-by-play guy for the Charlotte Hornets, um, John Mita Perel, the voice of Boston College, big voice in uh, Boston, um, Kevin Connors on SportsCenter. Um, I could keep going on and on. That's a pretty good class. So t- tell Syracuse, Syracuse, come on. Can I go through? Uh, the, can I go through the terps now? Go ahead, give me some terps. By the way, I, I do have to say I noticed uh, one of the comments on Apple was uh, uh, there's occasional terp talk, so I, I appreciate that. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. That, that gives me that gives me license to talk about. Can you identify Andrew Marchand, the number one ranked men's and the number one ranked women's lacrosse teams currently? 
I'm going to say Maryland. Maryland. How about that? The twofer. Let's go, boys. Go, All, right. Let's get it done. All right. I'll give you a couple. All right. So you got Van Pelt. You got, give me one more and then we got to go. We got, you got Van Pelt. You got Oran. You got Frank Isola. Taylor Twelman, I think. Taylor Twelman uh, went there. We have Bonnie Bernstein went there. I'm, I'm going to leave so many people out. I, I don't want to give get me started. one more. You got one more? Jimmy Roberts, NBC. I can keep going on, Andrew, if you want me to. All right. All right. Well, listen, maybe all of them can give us reviews. Uh, we're closing. <laughs> we mentioned everybody. We mentioned it's like the Dick Vital thing. You'd mention everybody in the world. Uh, God bless Vital. Um, you know, he wants to be loved and, and, and is. Uh, if you want to give us a review, five out of five, that helps us. Uh, and also, if you write a nice, some nice comments and follow us, uh, we appreciate it greatly. And here's to having another directionally right week ahead of us. Andrew, thank you everybody for listening. Thanks, John. <laughs> uh...